I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, September 12th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Okay, so with the NFL season kicking off this week, we've got a lot to go over, so let's jump straight in, and we're starting, as always, with baseball. Albert Pujols hit number 696 home run of his career to tie A-Rod on Wednesday. Then he hit number 697 to pass him. He is now number four on the all-time home run career list. Number 697 was special for another reason. It also helped the Cardinals rally past the Pirates, and they were trailing one to two in the ninth inning before Pujols' two-run homer. Pujols is 42 and has 21 games left in what he has said will be his final season. Number 696 was also against the Pirates, and the Cardinals won that game as well, 7-5. to five. Sticking with home run news, Aaron, Yankees' Aaron Judge hit number 55 on Wednesday against the Twins. Helping with that victory, they won 5-4, to four, and that went into extra innings. Angels' Mike Trout got a home run in his seventh straight game today, actually on Monday, and he is now one away from the MLB record. The Angels will play the Guardians tomorrow on Tuesday. So we do have some teams that have already been eliminated from playoffs. Those four teams are the Pirates, shocker, since we just talked about how they lost two games, the Nationals, the Tigers, and the A's. So that usually means we have at least one team that's clinched playoff berths, right? Um, no. Well, the Dodgers thought they had because they gave a toast with sparkling wine and everything. And it turns out the MLB sites had it completely wrong. I actually have a picture of one of the tweets that says Dodgers clinch playoffs. It is actually 
wrong. The MLB claimed that they failed to account for one scenario. This one crazy scenario would be if the Padres somehow overtake the Dodgers for the NL West title. Then the Dodgers would enter into a three-way tie with the Brewers and the Cardinals. Stay with me here. That would be bad for the Dodgers team as the Brewers would likely take the NL Central in that scenario, leaving the Dodgers tied with the Cardinals, who beat them in head-to-head competition so they would get the wildcard bid over the Dodgers. All that to say, if the Dodgers win tonight on Monday against the Diamondbacks, they clinch playoffs. So long-winded way of saying they were wrong by one day and it's done tomorrow. (laughs) So if they win. The Astros is the only other team over 90 wins, but the American is a much tighter race as the Yankees are only six wins behind them. Moving along to NCAA football. So last week, there weren't a ton of big upsets. There was just a lot of top 25 wins and losses, with the exception of Florida. I hear you. You beat Utah. I got it. This week, though, that was not the case. It looked to be a much more calm week, and it just was not. (laughs) Number one, Alabama barely squeaked past unranked Texas, winning 20-19. to It also was the game that had the most penalties in the entire Nick Saban era. That was with 15 penalties for 100 yards on Alabama. If you didn't watch the game, Nick Saban was, like, pulling his hair out. It was hilarious. If you aren't impressed with number twos, Georgia's 33-0 to win over Samford, like I was when I first saw that, I actually found out that is because Samford's, Sam, not Stanford, Samford's head coach gave Kirby Smart his first coaching job ever, so he was not going to want to run up the score on Samford. It was 30 to zip at half, though, so that game was over. App State, though, got it done this weekend after a close call last week against UNC, they actually beat an offensively stymied number six Texas A&M. Also, App State's charter plane to take them back home needed maintenance, so they were stuck in College Station for the night. Scary to be stuck in enemy territory after a huge upset. Good thing the Aggies tend to be nice. The Sun Belt continued to have a very good day to the detriment of the top 25. Marshall took the lead with two minutes to go in the first half on number eight Notre Dame. And they never gave it back. They won 26 to 21. Last time Marshall beat a top 10 team was in 2003, Kansas State. The other top 10 team to lose was number eight, Baylor. They played a tough game in Provo against number 21, BYU. And it did take till second overtime to get a result. But BYU took the game 26 to 20. Number 20, Kentucky put a damper on number 12, Florida's hot start, beating the Gators at home 26-16 in a battle for the SEC East. This win ties Mark Stoops as the winningest coach in school history there as well. There were two ACC-slash-SEC matchups this weekend, and the score came out tied 1-1. Although normally known for their offense, number 24 Tennessee had a brilliant defensive stand on fourth down in overtime to win over number 17 Pitt. Number 23 Wake Forest got their quarterback back with Sam Hartman and it showed when they beat SEC Fandy 45-25. Washington State got a much-needed Pac-12 victory over Big Ten number 19 Wisconsin at home 17 to 14. Every year I think Wisconsin's going to do really well and every year they disappoint me. 
Number 25 Houston fans need to have nine lives this season because the Cougs lost another game in overtime, this time in second overtime. This time they lost it to Texas Tech, whose fans stormed the field after the win. Also not touching on ranked ranked any ranked games, but Iowa State finally beat their in-state rival Iowa in a sarcastically riveting game. That score was 10 to 7. <laughs> Iowa had taken the last six matchups though, so this was a big deal for the Cyclones and their head coach Matt Campbell. Kansas is also 2 and 0 and technically leading the Big 12 after beating West Virginia in overtime this weekend. Can we be seeing a new KU team? Also, new AP rankings are out, and Alabama has lost the top spot after their close call with Texas. Georgia is now number one. Notre Dame is out of the top 25 for the first time since September 17th of 2017. This snaps an 80-week streak. Also, no coach in history for Notre Dame football, which is a really long time, has gone 0-3. So be on the watch for that. Texas actually lost this weekend, but jumps into the top 25 anyway. This is not the first time that's happened either. Mizzou did it back in 1997. Trust me, I had to go check because, of course, I'm a Texas hater. Poor Houston, like I said, is out of the top 25 after losing their game in overtime for the second week in a row. Game day will be in Boone, North Carolina for the first time ever this weekend for Troy versus App State. Also, breaking news happened on Sunday. Nebraska has fired their alum and head coach, Scott Frost. This isn't too big of a surprise given the recent history, but the nail in the coffin was losing to Georgia Southern, another Sunbelt team, this weekend, and they were actually paid $1.4 million to do so. The Cornhuskers were a three-touchdown favorite at home during that game. It was a bitter ending for what was supposed to be a great story as Frost actually played for Nebraska from 1995 to 1997. He actually won a national championship with them in his final year. And that was the school's most recent national championship. Nebraska went 5-22 and in one-score games, including seven last year alone. Frost went 16-31. and so you may sit there and think, okay, this is a terrible luck. You know, Nebraska only wins from within seven points all the time, literally 27 times. And um, and it's finally come down to the fact that there's some kind of in-game coaching decisions problem that is systemic throughout the school. So that is one of the big reasons for firing him. The school was also so desperate to get rid of Frost. They didn't even wait for the buyout that drops by half in October, they will pay the full $15 million. Assistant head coach Mickey Joseph will act as head coach for the rest of the season. Moving along to NFL, it was week one and the first game already a huge surprise with the Bills putting the hammer down on Super Bowl champs, the Rams, winning 31 to 10. Eight games this week were decided by a touchdown or less. And a lot of them came down to kicks. The Colts and the Texans went into overtime and actually ended in a tie, which Americans hate, after the Colts scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. The Saints also scored 17 points in the fourth quarter against the Falcons, but that included the game-winning field goal, which did not end in a tie. <laughs> the Saints won that by one. 
Baker Mayfield faced his former team as the first time as the Panther, and it looked like he was going to get some sweet revenge until the fourth quarter when the Browns kicked a last second 58 yard field goal to take the win for the Browns 26 to 24. This is the Browns first opening week win in over 10 years. Oh, and also this seems to be a weird trend. They also scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Go figure. The Steelers Bengals game was literally the most exciting of the entire weekend. It had so many missed kicks including the Bengals missing their final PAT in regulation to take the game into overtime and then two missed field goals in overtime. However, fittingly, it did end on a successful field goal by the Steelers. I will give a caveat here or just a side note. The Bengals were on, I think, believe it was actually a Texans safety that ended up playing their holder because their holder got um, injured. So the Bengals were on kind of a weird rotation for their kicks and it showed to say the least the Eagles scored 24 points in the second quarter and held off the Lions late charge to win 38 to 35 and the Giants win their first game under head coach Dabble 21 to 20 thanks to the Titans missing their game-winning field goal I told you a lot of these came down to field goals or kicks PATs whatever on a separate note not close games Tom Brady is back and he looked good winning 19 to three over the Dallas Cowboys. He became the oldest quarterback to ever start in the NFL this year. It also helps that the Cowboys looked terrible, failing to score a touchdown the entire game. Also looking good, Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdowns in the Chiefs route of the Cardinals. They won 44 to 21. Week one also brought across some injuries for some players, including Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. He could just not catch a break on these injuries. He'll be out for six to eight weeks. He is having surgery on his hand, which he hurt in the fourth quarter of last night's loss to the Bucks. While throwing a pass, he actually hit it on his own linebacker, and it was originally thought to just be jammed, but x-rays showed that there was a fracture. The Steelers lost Defensive Player of the Year T.J. Watt and running back Najee Harris in the same game. Watt went down with a torn pectoral, and Harris went out with a foot injury in the fourth quarter. Some quick golf news. Scotty Scheffler has won this year's Jack Nicklaus Award, a.k.a. the Player of the Year trophy. He is the first to win Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and Corn Fairy Player of the Year. He is off to a killer start of a career. Congratulations, Scotty. Cannot happen to a nicer person. He also got surprised on college game day as they were at his home school of Texas. And so it's always customary to surprise the player of the year with the Nicholas Trophy. And they did it on air, which was it's awesome. There is a link on the blog. The BMW PGA Championship was this weekend at Wentworth. This is a tournament on the DP World Tour where Live Tours players Live Tour players were allowed to play with PGA Tour players. So this made for some awkward moments. My personal favorite was Rory McIlroy's comment that Live players would get tired since they have to play a full 72 holes. Play was then shortened to 54 holes after play was suspended for the death of Queen Elizabeth II, which makes it the same as a live tour event of 54 holes. 
So I just thought that was a really funny anecdote. Shane Lowry took the title after 38 months without a win. This is his first win since 2019's Open. Team USA has also been named for the President's Cup, which starts on the 20th. Team USA is Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Billy Horschel, Cameron Young, Max Homa, and Kevin Kisner. If you're thinking there are some big names missing, remember that live players cannot participate. For the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and skip Olympic news and go straight to tennis because it was literally the most attended U.S. Open in history over the weekend. And the total for the two weeks was 776,000 people came. This beats the previous record by 39,000 people. Poland number one seed Iga Swiatek beat Tunisian number five Jabauer in straight sets on Saturday, although the final set did go 7-6 to the fifth. This is her third Grand Slam overall, second this year, but her first U.S. Open. She's only 21 and is the first woman to capture two Grand Slams in the same season since 2016 Angelique Gerber. Jabauer might sound familiar to you as she was the runner-up in Wimbledon this year as well. United States' Francis TFO was the first black man to make it to the semis since Arthur Ashe himself, if you recognize that name, a.k.a. the name on the stadium that they're playing in. He was also the first American to make semis in 16 years. However, he fell in a marathon match that lasted five hours and the match lasted till 2 a.m. to Spaniards Alcarez. This was the latest match ever in U.S. Open history. TFO was the last American standing on both the men's and women's side of the bracket. In his first Grand Slam final, 19-year-old Spanish Carlos Alcarez won the whole thing and rose to number one in the world. He defeated Norwegian Casper Ruud in four sets on Sunday, only dropping the second set and taking the third to a tiebreaker. He is the youngest Grand Slam winner since Nadal's French Open in 2005 and the youngest U.S. Open winner since Pete Sampras in 1990. He is also the youngest ever to reach world number one, as the rankings were only introduced in 1973. Alcarez did not have an easy route to the championship, however, after going to all five sets in three separate rounds, including a 2 a.m. end time. Rude was runner-up again. If you recognize that name, he was second to Nadal at the French Open this year as well. So lots of familiar names, but very recent familiar names. Also quickly making her top 10 debut, Coco Goff at the age of 18 breaks into the world top 10. She is the first American teenager to do so since, well, you'll know, Serena in 1999. Going over what to watch this upcoming week, we have got some baseball as we are in the last month of the regular season. So Tuesday, the Yankees at the Red Sox at 610 on TBS. Wednesday, you can catch the Brewers at the Cardinals. We'll see if Pujols can get number 698. That will be at 6.45 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Thursday, you can catch either the A's at the Astros or the Pirates at the Mets at 6.20 on Fox, depending on where your geographical location is. And Sunday, catch the Dodgers at the Giants at 6 p.m. on ESPN. 
this week in college football, starting with an old powerhouse rivalry for college football is number six, Oklahoma at Nebraska. They will play at 11 a.m. on Fox, followed by number 12, BYU versus newly ranked again, number 25, Oregon. They will play at 2.30 on Fox. This is BYU's second opponent in the rankings in a row. Number 22, Penn State, newly ranked as well, will play Auburn at 2.30 as well on CBS. Now, game day will be at App State this week, so they are playing Troy also at 2.30, but they're on ESPN+. And the big-time ranked-versus-ranked matchup game, number 13, Miami, at number 24, Texas A&M. Let's see if they can bounce back after that ugly loss on Saturday. They play at 8 p.m. on ESPN. On the NFL side, on Monday night tonight, the Broncos at the Seahawks at 7.15 on ESPN will wrap up week one of the NFL. Week two begins Thursday, the Chargers at the Chiefs. That's fun to say. At 7.15, that will be on Prime. Sunday, you can catch seven games at noon on Fox or CBS. Fox games are Commanders at the Lions, Buccaneers at the Saints, Panthers at the Giants. CBS games are Jets at the Browns, Patriots at the Steelers, Colts at the Jags, and Dolphins at the Ravens. At 3.05 on Fox, you can either catch the Falcons at the Rams or the Seahawks at the 49ers. And then you've got three game potentials at CBS at 3.25. The Bengals at the Cowboys, the Texans at the Broncos, and the Cardinals at the Raiders. Sunday night at 7.20 on NBC, catch the Bears at the Packers. And then next Monday, we have a doubleheader for Monday Night Football, the Titans at the Bills at 6.15 on ESPN, and the Vikings at the Eagles at 7.30 on ABC. The PGA Tour gets back in action for the new season on Thursday. The Fortnite Championship Round 1 will be at 5 p.m. on Golf Channel. That runs all week. So Round 1 on Thursday, Round 2 on Friday, Round 3 on Saturday, and the final round on Sunday, all at 5 o'clock, all on Golf Channel. Also this weekend, starting on Friday, the Live Tour is back in action in Chicago. Round one at about one-ish for Shotgun Start. You can catch that on live.com or YouTube. Round two will be the same time on Saturday, and their final round will be Sunday at the same time. That wraps it up for me this week. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. August 29th was the most listened to episode, so thank y'all so much. I know that I will have your back all of football season. It is my favorite time of year. Check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for more times and games, and I will catch y'all next week for the weekly update.